Hello and welcome to the 2022 Best of the Year TV Dramas. I'm your host, McKenna, and together with my esteemed panelists, we will be determining what the top drama of 2022 was. We've done the albums, we've done the comedies, and now we're venturing away from the bops and laughs into what some may consider the true heart and soul of media. There will be tears, there will be screaming, and friendships may come to an end as we battle it out to determine which show determines to win it all. Here with me today, we have some of my closest friends. Who knows if they'll remain so, Um, but one of them is Greg. Greg, how are you feeling? I'm ready. I'm ready to be serious because when we're talking about TV dramas, we're talking about serious stuff. You know what? Thank you for reminding me. I feel like I was trying to be a little too enthusiastic in my intro, yeah. and I might need to pull out like a little bit more of an NPR vibe voice. Yeah, we're not um, having fun today. We're no. some of these. Some of these are hard to watch, but that's okay because it's dramatic. It's it's dramatic. Um, the person who might have the most difficult time reining in the other joy from her voice is also here, and that's Caitlin. Caitlin, how are you doing? Hey, thank you so much for checking in up on me because this is a hard, this, dramas are hard, man. There's some like mm-hmm. big stuff in these, not just the he he's like, <laughs> like it's big stuff. So thank you for asking. I'm doing okay. I had a lot of therapy because of this week, but I appreciate mm-hmm. you asking. Thank you. I appreciate the fact that you did preemptive therapy. Um, I would like to ask you, <laughs> you know, you, you've been on TV dramas and, and I think you, you hate it a little bit every year. Was, <laughs> was 2022 more tolerable or less tolerable than previous years? I don't know if like I've become an adult or something, but I think it was more tolerable, tolerable this year. Um, and I think that has to be because Better Call Saul wasn't on the list. But, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but right truly, this list, like there are some good, some really good TV shows on here and they made me think. So yeah, great stuff. Growth, maturity. Thank I'm you. so proud of you. you. Uh, now we venture to the person who um, may never speak to me again after the se- entire series is done because I am the result of Better Call Saul not being on the bracket. Ryan, scale of one to 10, how angry are you with me? Uh, how about this, Mac? An 11? <laughs> oh! Yeah, that's how high this dial that's goes pretty, up. It's pretty angry. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking. Like, um, why not just make the highest 10? But uh, this is a bit from an old movie that you'd probably hate because it's good. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, I'm not ancient, so I haven't seen. I'm not oh, sure which it is. <laughs> But we also have uh, Cassie here with me. Cassie contributed to the downfall of uh, Better Call Saul not being on the bracket. Um, And Cassie, how are you feeling about Better Call Saul or just, you know, dramas in general? God, you know what? Again, just to reiterate, the best time I've had in a drama series. (laughs) One, we weren't forced to spend two hours of our lives watching Better Call Saul. Bless up for that one. Um, The other (laughs) one. It's already been talked about more than any other (laughs) show, by the way. And it's the only way to tonight. You guys, you got to have your time. (laughs) But also, there's a Star Wars one that made it. So, banger of a year, honestly. And, you know, Sandman. (laughs) Sandman. One I of these am shows is not like the, <laughs> the underdog uh, that will take it all. <laughs> I'm putting all of my money on Sandman. <laughs> all right, I feel like you've got some odds against you, Mike. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to go up against Caitlin on those odds? Oh yeah, she's gonna lose. She's gonna Never lose her tell house. Me the odds. She's gonna lose the Twilight shirt <laughs> off her back. She's gonna lose everything. 
Uh, Mike, uh, she's wearing two Twilight shirts yeah. on her back. Well, that's, yeah, I'm no. not going to take all her clothes from her. She's going to lose the more expensive Twilight shirt off her back. <laughs> <laughs> the cami, the tank top, surprisingly expensive. You wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> About the same, uh, same price as the jersey. <laughs> that is. Oh, you is that a game worn jersey, by the way? Uh, by the Collins? Um, yeah. Soon to be. <laughs> Colon sweat and tears on that jersey. Oh, my Colon also sweats and tears. That's crazy. Back, <laughs> uh, I have a question. Um, so yes. we've kicked out the, bed or the Breaking Bad prequel, <laughs> but is it too late to include the Breaking Bad sequel, the Popcorners commercial that is <laughs> so near and dear to our hearts? Uh, I'd be okay with that replacing the Sandman on the bracket if we want to make a quick change right now. Um, I, I think, think we'll do equally <laughs> as well. Fucking <honestly. laughs> <laughs> so do it. Uh, yeah, so we've got we've got some choices. We've got some shows. I am happy to say that as much as this uh, doesn't sound like we did not enjoy all of the shows we watched. We've got some great, great episodes um, to talk about uh, characters, all the elements. Um, and I, I do have a few more questions. Uh, and let's let's send this one off to Mike, because I barely introduced you and I really just asked you to respond to Caitlin. Uh, what makes a show more dramatic or scary um, in terms of drama? One that feels like it could be played out in our potential future or one that portrays very real events from the past? Ooh, uh... I, you, you, know got him. you got him. You got him. He really did. It actually made me think. I have like a clever quip about thank you for defining me more than just what I think about Caitlin. Uh, and then you <laughs> had a question that it's I, I, I don't know if the, the past or the future matter. I think that the best dramas are the ones that it doesn't matter. You could have vampires or, or lords of dreams or future technology we don't have now. But what hits your gut of like, oh, fuck. I see the metaphor here. This is all the bullshit I go through every day because I'm a human with human feelings. Uh, it doesn't matter what the trappings are, but the, the ones that make you go, oh, no, this is about me right now. Crap. The ones that make that you go, hmm. Huh? <laughs> oh, mounds. Mounds are the best drama. <laughs> that was beautifully put um, and ended with uh, a fun note. But, yeah, I agree. I think that I think that drama is defined by um, how it reflects on our lives. We have shared um, quite a few thoughts on drama as a whole, a bit thoughts on some shows that are not on the bracket. And when we return, the real fun is going to start because we are going to get into determining what the best drama of 2022 was. In round one, battle one, we have our number one seed, Apple TV Severance, against our number eight seed, Netflix's Heartstopper. Severance follows Mark S. as he navigates two lives as a severed employee of Lumen Industries. Both his work self, or any, and personal self, or Audi, have completely separate consciences and simultaneously start to investigate the mysteries of their employer after several disturbances break their routine lives. Heartstopper is a British teen drama that follows high school students Charlie, Nick, and their friends as they come to terms with their sexual identities and figure out how to navigate the intolerance and fear that often follows coming out. Cassie, which drama felt more reflective and in line with the year of 2022? Um, the gay one. Make it more gay. <laughs> 2022, make it gay. Um, I don't know. There was a lot, like, severance, obviously. Like, I feel like after COVID, everybody had this reflection on, like, work-life balance. And severance took this little twisted turn with it and was like, hey, is this what you want? Which, you know, is it does speak to the time. But then also, um, Heartstopper, timeless. Just kids trying to figure out who they are, getting in relationships, and it's precious. So it's always the time for that. And I could tell you at certain, the one that was easier to watch, um, Heartstopper. 
<laughs> I think I think we all found Heartstopper to be a bit easier. It was like a little bit of a relief for me in between all of the heavy dramas that we tuned into. Um, Severance at times feels like a bit close to horror, but there are a few comedic elements, I think, that broke it up. Um, yeah, the Adam Scott in it, the opening of just her sitting on a table while somebody's repeatedly yes. like, <laughs> what is your name or whatever? Or who are you? Who are like, you? Yeah, I just kept mm-hmm. being like, oh, God, what's happening? <laughs> like, I was we- I had a weird reaction to it where I was like scared for my life, but I shouldn't be because it's Adam Scott. Like, I would be like, oh, but it's Adam. But also, I don't like what's happening. And I- also, isn't the question so interesting, too? <laughs> the show really investigates it. Who are you who, anyway? Who are and who you? is Adam Scott? I can't believe that Adam Scott at this point in my life is a celebrity celebrity. We're like, I can't take apart like my love for him and watch him act. Mm-hmm. Like that's all that's all done. I just he could play any like villainous role at this point. I'd be like, oh buddy, you're, you're Adam Scott. I love you. Well, that's well, I think casting him in that is is very similar to casting Michael Palin in Brazil. I'm gonna push my glasses up here, which this reminds me a lot of. Of like, I'm used to you being comedic and joyful, and you kind of are in this, but that adds the underlying creepiness to all of it. Yeah. I think Brazil's a really good comp, which is shocking to me, Mike. I guess double push your glasses up. <laughs> um, but, like, you have, <laughs> you have your out there premise, right? Like, you have your, like, thing, and then it's not just, all right, now go do the premise. Right. But instead, fill it with weird shit along the way as well. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, there's so many other channels and so many other showrunners other than, like, Ben Stiller that could have made the show Severance, and it would have just been beat by beat by beat this is how it would work but from art uh, there's like a uh, department that just hangs art Mm -hmm. to Uh the goat scene fuckers those fuckers fuckers. Uh, it's filled with so many weird things but I I think too when you do it like that though that's your the batting average wasn't high like there was a lot of severance ideas that were like "Mm, that didn't work and you went with it anyway I feel like this is maybe our most 2022 matchup because for I sure. like that's either, why one of, either one of these shows would have been so different. It would have had a completely different vibe if it were made even like five years ago. Mm. Heartstopper, I kept waiting for it to like take some sort of really kind of gnarly turn like, okay, time to get real, everybody. And it, it doesn't really go there. It kind of stays in the realm of just really nice, beautiful, like uplifting mm-hmm. like sto- stories of, of being mm-hmm. a gay kid. And I feel like... It's so nice that we're getting into an area where that's a more do you know like, why though common genre? Like th- what happened is they were like they created five or six characters in the beginning. They were like, all right, let's let them cook. Like that's it. Yeah. No plot yeah. points. No like cancer. No asteroids. <laughs> just what would these characters do? And we got to watch the entire thing. Well, in every other for Hot Stopper, especially every other teen drama, always pushes teens to their breaking point. Mm-hmm. Yes. And in this show, I feel like they were trying so much to highlight, no, society's already doing that. Let's stop forcing (laughs) them to do that to each other. (laughs) Yeah, I think every other show about teens that's written by adults and starring 28-year-olds is (laughs) these show creators' fears about teens, and it comes through. And this is a show for teens and about teen crushes. This This feels the most realistic of uh, if your euphoria's your riversdale yes. the heartstoppers 
does it the most of like these are this, these are how kids actually are guys yeah, yeah. it's funny because they like have a high school rugby team and when they show the rugby team playing it's just like on a field that people are also running laps around uh-huh. and nobody's there it's like not like the big friday night lights thing yeah everything feels so appropriately like sized and mm-hmm. real in that way except that string bean who never takes his beanie off <laughs> that's huge there's always got to be a beanie kid didn't yeah didn't you know one kid in high school who literally never took his beanie off you'd see him in the pool he'd be standing it should have been distracting to see like flowers yeah. fly out that are colored and clearly not part of the movies and oh, little sparks that but yeah. that was it that was totally embedded in the movie that kid's hair and beanie were not embedded in the movie they jarred me out of the show or in the show every single time and his bad acting compared to everybody else <laughs> I have to say I think we've had dramas in the past that have caused me to, to tear up a little bit and maybe even some that have caused me to tear up more than this show I don't know if any show has ever caused me to tear up because it's beautiful Mm-hmm. as much as Heartstopper. Like, there's so many moments of people being just, like, admitting who they are and being proud of it and then being excited right afterwards where I was like, holy crap, like, I am feeling joy exploding in me right now. There's... Yeah. Oh, Cassie, please go. I just... I don't think there's been, like, a dra- like a drama that we cover where you're leaving it being like, I feel better about life yes. and myself. <laughs> like, this has been a good time. It's so rare. I think, yeah, there was a lot of healing moments. I feel like my, my former teen self got, like, a little bit of resolution just through this show. Uh-huh. Um, even in the smaller moments, for the most part, the girls cast are not twigs. They're, like, humanly yeah. realistic. You see, like... The boys are, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the boys are. Um, but that never existed in a teen drama when I was growing up. Like, a healthy body weight was not something present. So they're just all around. So much... So much relief um on that note though does it does it feel like a drama mike yeah yeah i I think (laughs) just like mike shut the fuck up caitlin's turn to talk talk listen to women mike (laughs) listen sorry caitlin give me a second listen to women mike I heard my name. I started talking, and that's my fault. Caitlin, please. Um, no, I think it's definitely a drama. Cause just because, like, what Greg said, like, it makes you feel, like, happy. Like, a lot of our dramas are so, so heavy. But this one was so heavy in a very different way, where it was just, like, it, it was realistic. I We all felt like we have like witnessed something like this or been part of something like this. And I think that's what dramas are, just putting you in that moment and making you think and feel. Yes, it is a drama, and it's fun and, and happy. <laughs> Thank you. But it's not Resident Alien, though. Resident Alien, the Heartstopper was based on a comic book. Resident Alien was the number one superhero show 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 of the year. So, and it should have been on this list or last. Why is it on the bracket? It is going to be the pop culture thing of 2022. (laughs) I hope so. Oh, it's going in that bracket for sure. Uh, Yeah, I agree. It is a drama because just because something doesn't make you want to tear your heart out doesn't mean it's not a drama. Just like. Last week, I disagree with, like, if I'm not laughing the whole time doesn't mean it's not a comedy. Uh, this show had very lighthearted moments, and that Nick and Charlie's relationship is, is so sweet to watch bloom. Uh, sometimes Severance made me laugh a lot out loud. Yeah. They're both still dramas. <laughs> and the stakes aren't, like we were talking about before, cancer or death. And so th- maybe that makes it feel lighter. Death but by like cancer. <laughs> oftentimes, it's death by cancer. Uh, but uh, when one of the guys like makes a move on somebody else and it's not reciprocated. We deal with that, you know, mm-hmm. like we have to sit in that shit or when, yeah, when you send a text 
or you're, you're working on a text and yeah. you're, you haven't really <laughs> figured out ex- exactly what it should say, but you accidentally hit send. We have to sit in that. And in those moments, the stakes are sky high, mm-hmm. you know, like because that's the way that the show works. It, and because you're because like the characters are teenagers. Right. And when you're a teenager, mm-hmm. like even if it's not life and death, it feels Everything life and death is. all the time. Yeah. Th- there's a scene where Charlie has texted Nick and just gets dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, yeah. dot, back. Like he, he's Oof. texting, delete, texting, delete. That is soul crushing. And in, in, in such I've been a married to my wife way. for like five years. And when that happens, it's still soul crushing. <laughs> yeah. like, then oh, she's gonna leave then as now. a teenager, like that is, that's a heart stopper. And I can't think, Ryan, I can't think <laughs> of a, another thing that's captured that part of teenage life in decades. Like to well, capture the, the innocence. Well, that's, uh, buddy, hate to break this to you. No, no, decades. that's two years that ago, Mike. Literally 20 years ago. <laughs> I think uh, the use of technology in both of these shows was very interesting. Um, one of the things that stood out to me in Severance was it's such an advanced society and these characters know that. And yet their office spaces seem so yes. far back in time. Um, and it obviously was a very, very direct choice. But but the way... You know what it is, McKenna? It's um, it, These are the office spaces that when... I guess my generation, so a little bit older than you, but closer to like Ryan and Mike, our dads and moms worked in offices that looked a lot like this. I think that like, that's why I had to throw back to that because I remember being a kid and walking through my dad's office and being like, this place is literally a nightmare. Like this is skinnamarink. Like this is awful. Like I couldn't imagine like having to be here all the time. And I think that they carry that forward mm-hmm. into like the set design for this show. It feels- so, what's so interesting. Uh, uh, what's so interesting about that is that like uh, everyone you know, on the outside, everyone considers innies, right? Not yeah. people, people. Yeah. Right. And so why why decorate it, you know? Yeah. And that, like, feeds so much of the show is that that's the same thing that bosses are doing forever since right. the dawn of capitalism is, like, no, they're they're not people. Why? Why would we decorate they're it? Why my would workers. we even give them a window? Yeah. I do have and a question, I think- though. I know you guys said that you've seen, like, the setup before. Have you ever seen, like, cubicles that had, like, drop-down, like, window-ish type walls where you could, no, like... that's awesome. That's yeah. high-tech. No. That was so... That was, like, the high-tech part of it because, like, you can drop down just so you can, like, talk to your coworker. That's which fun. Wait, like, like, in a limo? Like, that kind of yes. drop-down? Yeah, 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 it just... Yeah. It's, like, kind of, like, dream logic, right? That place mm-hmm. is, like, a nightmare, so it operates by dream logic. Hallways the hallways go forever, forever and mm-hmm. you can get lost <laughs> in, it seems but like. I think Every time they were running through the building, it felt like eyes wide shut. I'm just, like, the <laughs> same New York uh-huh. over and over again, you know? Aesthetically, I think Legion did it. Loki did it. Severance Simpsons does it. did it. Simpsons did it. Uh, <laughs> South Park did it. It's, there's something about... 70s timelessness that is eerie in and of itself and that's why more and more shows are like well we want something to be vaguely creepy they go to that same time period and i think all the photos from that time look haunted yes the lighting is bad and the dark pools in every corner so Mm -hmm. it all looks like you know they're all they're all ghost stories plus somebody more ghosts back then (laughs) i don't know where they went but yeah just just so more made in the 80s because if somebody just comes swinging to fucking wham you're not gonna be scared Dude, you're going to dance with that Billy guest. Blaze from fucking... All <laughs> uh, right. I shift. think we have some formed thoughts on uh, these two shows. And I think it's time to come to a vote, despite how sad we might be to see one of these shows go. Um, Greg, I'm going to go to you first. Which are you voting for, Severance or Heartstopper? It's a really tough first round draw. Um, Heartstopper basically made me feel so good so many times. But Severance was... A bigger show, and I think maybe a bigger swing. I don't know. I, I think I'm going to go with Severance, but definitely not a slam dunk. It's just by a hair. I'm glad you've clarified for that. Caitlin, 
what are you voting for? This was really hard because Heartstopper, I really, really loved. And it was one of those that I just kept going through and like wanting to watch the next episode. Severance, I wanted to watch every episode for a different reason because it was weird and I just couldn't stop trying to like put the puzzle together of what actually is fucking going on. Gave me like baby goats. Yeah, baby, baby goats. goats. We baby never do goats. find out. <laughs> nope, never. There's so many unanswered things, but it's very interesting. So I guess severance. Either one that wins, so I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> you don't sound happy about voting, but thank you for I'm your votes. For, and either of them. I like them both. <laughs> All right. My that is two babies. for severance. Mike, what are you voting for? Yeah, Heartstopper is, is so heartwarming and adorable and a great cast of talented kids that I'm excited to see go places. Uh, Severance, not only- have literal kids. Huh? Lit- have literal kids. Severance <laughs> is, uh, I think, of its time. And also, if we go back to the owned 2022, if mm-hmm. I think if most people you are like, Heartstopper, they'd be like, the what? And everybody, even though it's Apple TV, a service literally nobody fucking owns, everybody has seen Severance. Uh, and it finally Adam Scott will get uh, his due. And then Ben Stiller is such a good, creepy- uh director and we haven't seen that side of him since like the cable guy it's severance i i was gonna assume that but i'm glad you clarified uh <laughs> that is three for severance ryan yeah I, I i mean like i do feel bad and heart stopper is nearly perfect and severance is kind of messy you know like it's uh, like, like life, i said ryan like i said earlier the, the batting average isn't great there's a lot of ideas that don't work don't pan out like they're throwing everything at the wall but and it shouldn't be what was the most talked about show, but I've literally, outside of this podcast right now, never heard of anyone who has ever seen Heart Summer. And Severance made me feel bad that I wasn't watching it, you know, like, and uh, th- with good reason. I wouldn't just vote for it if right. that was <laughs> it. But like it from episode to episode, it was please get me to the next one. I have to figure out anything, something. And we didn't talk about how. Just incredible. Like the the first eight or nine episodes were great, but that final episode was one of the most well put together hours of entertainment in my life. Like it, I, it was absolutely incredible. Severance is my vote, Mike. Thank you, Ryan. And yes, that was the most heart stopping episode of a show not called Heart Stopper. Uh, Cassie, what are you voting for? Uh, simply because I just want, don't want Heart Stopper to be clean sweeped against. So I'm just going to give it to Heart Stopper just just so it has a little point there. I appreciate that. It definitely deserves uh, a point. Heartstopper, we are sad to see you go, but you are an absolute delight. And that is it for our round one, battle one. Severance is moving forward. When we return, we will see battle two of round one. In our second battle of round one, we have our number four seed, season two of The White Lotus, coming up against our number 12 seed and Mike's pick, Under the Banner of Heaven. Season two of The White Lotus kicks off in Italy in another White Lotus resort and takes on the topic of sex instead of wealth, which much like season one is the cause of all the problems. A series of affairs, lies, and lies threaten everyone's time at the resort. Mike's pick, Under the Banner of Heaven, is based off the true event murders of a mother and her infant by members of the LDS Church. While investigating the murders, the secrets and scandals the church was built upon begin to come out, and Detective Jeb Pyrie is threatened by his church leaders to set aside justice in favor of protecting the church leaders and image. Mike, Under the Banner of Heaven was your submission for drama. Can you share why you feel the show deserves to be on the bracket? Uh, one, because... 
Andrew Garfield is a gift to the goddamn world, and he can be charming and Peter Parker-like in that sad, pathetic middle brother way he was in No Way Home, and he can be so compelling and serious as he is in, in this and in The Social Network. This guy is, I think, a, is he- one of the most talented young actors, and not young, one of the most talented middle-aged actors that the world's <laughs> sleeping on. Is he our new best Garfield? He might, I would say, you know what, first we have to interview him and see how he feels about lasagna. Sure. And Mondays. Mondays. And John. But after that, he might be our best Garfield. And for, look, it's a, I'm a sucker for any show that jumps between timelines uh, and be like, oh, to know why this happens here, you got to know the story from 200 years ago. Mm. And to cast every creepy white dude working right now in Hollywood and have them all like try to outshine each other. It, it did so well. And I finally see why the guy from Avatar is a good actor. I have to fire my agent. The fact that the fact that I wasn't one of these brothers, I have to I fire know. my agent for sure. Because you're a creepy white guy. Did anybody feel like uh, the musical Book of Mormon, which I have seen several times, did not tell them the entire truth about the Mormon church? Mm. I'm a little shook on that, I gotta say. It, it, they might have slept on some stuff. Yeah, dude. Like, the kind of elided some rather troubling details. I feel like it was probably an accident, though. Definitely not intentional that they just <laughs> didn't get to touch on those topics. I like how often on this show, uh, when they're, when two people that are members of the LDS church are talking to each other, they're like, you know, you're not supposed to think about this kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like the church tells us just not to worry our pretty little heads about some of these gnarly details. <laughs> I thought, like... I like I hear everything that you're saying, but uh, I thought like this was worse than the Sandman. You're <gasps> insane, man! What? what? This show fucking sucked. Was it because like, there's it dead dogs? Is that why? No, no Caitlin. I, I know. Like, I a- uh, I couldn't like we like there's so much bullshit going. I th- like this is a clinic in how to not adapt something. I think um, basically what we have is uh, a bunch of characters making sure that the um, the clock stops so we can just tell stories uh, and read passages from the book. At one point, like the, the first half of the season is all by the uh, the father and husband of the victims. And he'll just like, oh, that's interesting. Let me tell you about uh, Brigham Young real quick. 1842, and th- Ohio. <laughs> and then we cut to like drunk history level shot fucking... <laughs> Like, and, and then when that guy is finally used up, they go find some other chubby Mormon to like keep in the car and just tell them stories. Like this is, this was a fucking stinkeroo. Surely you know the stories between pages thirty nine and forty nine, <laughs> detective. <laughs> but Ryan, you weren't moved by like, like after at first it's like okay they're just giving us these uh the rundowns, but then. Near the end of the show, those parts become the most wild parts of the entire mm. show. Like what happens to um, no, Smith I, and Brigham I know Young? Mormons are bad. I get it. Like this reminded me so much of. Uh, that's, fuck you! You're an idiot. That's not. That's what the show not. Is saying. It's think, the unraveling think, of someone's faith and identity. Yeah, aligning. The show's you can do, no, you I know. I know. They said that literally. Like that was dialogue from characters. <laughs> hey, right now while you're telling me the story of what the Mormons did, this is the unraveling of my faith and character. Uh, what was great, I think, is uh, I want to get his name right. Is it Taba? Detective Taba. Hell yeah, dude. Gil Birmingham rules. All star of the show. And Taba and Pyrie's uh, Andrew Garfield, who I'd never noticed before, has a fucking the most presidential name of any actor. Like <laughs> Andrew Garfield. Andrew <laughs> Garfield sounds like a president. president. Yeah. Um, they're developing a relationship. 
which starts mm-hmm. off really rocky but subtly and then goes on from there like i thought that was compelling but what i was hoping for was like every year on this bracket we get like a mayor of east town or like a week to week who done it like let's right. solve the murder case uh and like instead this was like remember when winter's bone came out and everybody said that was poverty porn mm-hmm. this is just like watching it, it, all at, like on almost every other level except for that those two detectives it was just so fucking stupid and <laughs> in your face like i've never uh written a script before or seen a tv show is this how you do it uh no the answer is no i but I like this with go Matt, for it mike <laughs> no i think the 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 brothers the the cult people how to distill an attack, like, how much do you bind her? And they each have different versions of how much they really believe this shit or just want power. And the funniest and, and darkest is the uh, the least of the Culkin brothers is in this. Rory. Oh, wow. Okay. And his, like, <laughs> and then the blood of the innocents. And they say something to surprise him. And he's just like, wait, what? And he drops, like, the voice he's had for two hours straight in his interview. Like... I don't know. I, I thought that kind of stuff was very affecting and not so in your face. I thought that was on the yes. subtler side of like and watching them go from like the clean cut Romney boys uh-huh. to like the backwoods mm-hmm. like but see, we boys. didn't watch that though we didn't watch that that's my problem is that we got a ton of early oh, and we got yeah. a ton of later mm. but at one point they're like hey you know how like we're clean cut and we do good fuck that <laughs> beers yeah. and murder let's do that instead I think like what helped me love this show so much is the whole time you're watching you're, it's weighing on you that this religion is still so prominent they still yeah. have so much of a hold on uh, people and that are still so blind to its past. Um, and I think like the choice to not have that progression from clean cut to just absolute murder was because the jarring effect it was on the community. Like no one saw how it like it highlighted that for us too. that streamed clip drop off was, I think, true yeah. to how extreme it was from them to like, let's go tithe. And go to church and then um, let's tie. murder people. <laughs> um, you know, it was, was very extreme. It, one, it, it dramatizes quite a bit, but so does the White Lotus. And I have to ask, um, and Cassie, I'm going to throw this to you. Last se- season of White Lotus was focused on villainizing the wealthy, which is a very easy group of people to just hate on. This season is villainizing sex. To you, did that make it? more engaging or less engaging to see that be the consequences or lead to consequences it made it more um certified dummy of here it just made it more confusing for me because i was like who am i supposed to hate here like i didn't everyone yeah (laughs) it's like everyone's kind of doing like shitty things so for me i was just like it was still entertaining but at the end i was like i don't know what i'm supposed to get from it I just, I think I was the only person who was like, all right, cool, that's a wrap. No, no, you watched the show exactly correctly. And by that, I mean the way that I did, of just like uh, sitting around watching the foursome, right? Aubrey uh-huh. Plaza and her three others. And like every, the last person who opened their mouth is the worst person at the table. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I would, I would say that this season doesn't really abandon the um like commentary on the rich no No. because i think very much this season shows how it's the rich that set like normal folks off against each other and then Mm. they're the ones that generally almost always don't pay for that like sort of conflict that they create and that instead of like directing correctly 
our anger towards rich people and Cassie, that we channel it more into like you know um against other people who are also st- suffering under the same yoke right exactly and like i'm angry at you for being poor even though i am as well and cassie the answer to who to root for it's hookers yeah, it's no, hookers. yeah. That's, it. that's the answer <laughs> because honestly piano like, players that i think that is ultimately left to us as the most ethical thing you can do in capitalism because at least you are honest about what yes. you're doing mm-hmm. that everybody Legit. is actually a huge whore and that we just judge people who are literal sex workers, but we are all selling ourselves all the time, constantly. Well, and that's that's why I feel like it's Portia, who is uh, Tanya's assistant, is the only one to... So the hookers know who they are. The rich people pretend they're not who they are. Portia's the only one who goes, am I doing fucked up stuff? Because <laughs> she doesn't sell her body for sex, but in the show's world and in the rich people's world, she is just a step above the hookers. Of she is, she's just a hanger-on so well. And even though they treat her like that, even though she needs a job, she's a kid who needs a job and got hired to do this thing. That's not her fucking fault. But they treat her like, oh, look at you sucking after that money. She's like, what? I, I deal with the most insane person on this island. <laughs> the guy the guy that Porsche hooks up with eventually. Um, we've been talking Jack. a lot about what, From what uh, tattoos the six of us are going to get. Uh, he yes. has a neck tattoo that says Cowabunga in cursive. And I would like <laughs> That is delicious. But he went to a tattoo artist and said, give me the deuce bag special, please. And that's all of his tattoos. See, he's the perfect example of a character that at first, like, I'm a big believer in the himbo lifestyle. I'm always trying to, like, <laughs> You've embrace. you for years. I'm trying to, like, get as himbo as I possibly can, which is hard for me because I'm not starting very close to it. But I, I believe in the aesthetic. But this show is so real that they show behind the curtain of the himbo and they show the monster behind that. And then behind that is just a victim. Mm-hmm. And so like they show that like this himbo is actually a really deep character that is battling with his own pain mm-hmm. and sometimes doing it in really monstrous ways. And I thought that was like the most depth we'd ever had to just a sex dummy on a show ever. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> we're all just thinking i really thought you were gonna and, say more there greg and i am so sorry, sorry for poorly timing that um i think yeah the development is great of um his character in particular i might be on the minority here i did not like portia's development i don't know if we're supposed to root for her as a character but i found myself constantly irritated with her even more so than sometimes the rich characters because at least I could just say, well, they're just fucked up because they're monsters. I didn't know where I was <laughs> supposed 22. to line with her. I thought, I, Ma- I thought, Mac, you were going to say I didn't like Portia's wardrobe. And then for sure, I was going to agree with you. <laughs> it's, well, I, I, before I watched it, all I heard was like, you're going to hate Gen Z because of this character. And then I watched it and just saw like a normal 22 year old mm-hmm. and. Oh no! Who has spent the last two years like locked in one room? By right. the way, like, but you know, the pandemic is like the 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 ep- or the prologue to this, right? And she has to wait hand on foot on this bananas batshit boss who you don't know what to expect. You have to read the tides of her mood. A literal killer, and you need to <laughs> eat food. And like the worst thing she does was like what she met one rich guy for a couple days and had a crush on him, and instead made out with another rich guy, like. The the part where she she chose to make out with the other rich guy was the moment I finally started liking her. Because she was actually being honest (laughs) with what she really wanted. She didn't like Albie. She wasn't interested in, but she was just moping along, following a trajectory because she was refused to take action. Which is like, that's another dangerous part about like, I think how Mike White writes and like is 
we're supposed to, you know, have these shows about uh, safe spaces and proving that safe spaces are the safest. And that's why. And she's like, I kind of Albie is so careful about everything he does. And that's how we should act. But it's also boring and forced and performative. And she just wants to get fucking railed by a guy who has cowabunga tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> and the weird sort of like the the patriarchy is right behind everything Albie does. Albie is like this little veneer on top of the way his father and grandfather acts. And it's like rather than having any of the deep fundamental lessons, he just has like a different language and a different way of coding mm. it. But it's still basically like, I will do what I'm supposed to, which is I will be a gentleman. And then you will do what you're supposed to, which is you will fall in love with me because I'm being such a gentleman. And it's the same sort of like coercion and force. It's just like slightly nicer because it went to Stanford. What about the scene where uh, Albie wants everybody to sing a song to him? And so the entire cast comes together and sings, I'll be your crying shoulder. <laughs> I thought and, that was nice. And then Jennifer yeah. Coolidge starts mowing everyone down. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> also, Jennifer Coolidge me. is there. Yeah, what also, it's a meme factory. Ending. Yes. Where would we be without the memes supplied to us by White Lotus? Not only memes on the internet, but memes how some husbands and wives talk to each other now because it's so hard to not do Tanya's voice. Oh, do you have <laughs> anecdotal evidence of this, Mike? I guess that. It's <laughs> just the weird, breathy Miss Pigginess of it all. <laughs> Hiya! <laughs> Are you talking about moi? <laughs> That's so Jennifer Coolidge. On there were the... so many memes and like like reels from like and probably TikToks just from probably, White Lotus. Yeah. And I, I don't remember the first season ever having that. And I think this one was just so much more engaging than even the first season, which I think we watched as well, I think, last year. I think it was more, yeah, too, because I think that this was... Like Cassie was saying, I hate everyone. This is hard to figure out. And that's what made it so engaging and intriguing. Whereas the first season, like in comparison to the second one, the first one is like cartoony. Like there's mm-hmm. so, everyone is so exaggerated about who they are and what they feel that um, the second one, I think just like the conversations that were had after each episode were so much more interesting. This is a show too where I think it's going to, do well continuing because the seasons are not going to feel like new seasons of the same old. It's going to take place at a new resort with new vacationers and new families. Um, and zombie Jennifer Coolidge. Who exactly. Who <laughs> has to come day. back <laughs> when she died. Right. I think I was, Spoiler. I was a bit devastated um, to think that there will be a white Lotus season without her breathy yeah. Miss Piggy voice. Can uh, I say this though? <laughs> I do think that under the banner of heaven, a fucking, dumb show uh, its last episode was the best episode and i do think ultimately after sitting on it for like six months three months white lotus's last episode didn't work all of the fucking murder on a ship i thought that it was a little much uh but i thought that was cool i thought it was so cool too i was literally standing up trying to figure out what was happening i was like i can't be her i can't be her because i mean i thought that was everything in a nutshell which is that the the person that has the most money feels the most threatened and without knowing exactly what's going on, just start shooting everybody uh, she could possibly see whether or not they're involved in whatever plan might be around what she's doing. They, they obviously were like trying to do something with her, but like murdering all those people 
that I thought was just a very like 2022 thing to do. You know, I'm threatened and then firing as many rounds as I, you can. I won't remove myself from the situation and refuse to be entangled from with you. I'm just going to kill everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not that different than, you know, like it's always the blue collars versus the white collars, the upstairs versus the downstairs in these shows. But like the hotel manager who we haven't talked about um, mm-hmm. fired a, fired a uh, employee just because she had a crush on somebody that her crush had a crush on you know like right yeah it's all murder it's Who all ended like up being his fiance yeah. yeah uh yeah i i love what i hope continues and i bet the show will is let's get a uh nuanced interesting hotel manager every season yes, yes. yeah so far they've been some of my favorite characters to watch she was the first second she comes on and just in, starts insulting the guests. So I was like, oh, this is going to be a vibe throughout. <laughs> like, oh, because you're so old. I didn't know you could like make it. I was like, damn, I'm going to love her consistently. All right. I think it's time for us to decide which show is going to move forward. And Caitlin, I'm going to start. Oh, never mind. I'm not starting with you. Cassie, I'm going to start with you on a vote. And that's only because Caitlin didn't watch one of the shows. I'm so sorry. Well, just going out, me. Call me out, dang. Uh, Maybe do your job and watch more TV next time. Yeah, just watch the one that I knew you weren't going to watch because it's murder. There was literally no way I was going to watch that fucking show. I'm so (laughs) glad you didn't, Caitlin. I I read enough of the wiki where I was like, fuck this. No way. (laughs) I watched that entire series while nursing my son in the first few weeks of his life. That's crazy. For that reason, it should it should go away forever. That's that you got in that crime mom mode. You were like, yeah, dude, dude. that's real Lady Macbeth Macbeth vibes. Fueled a little bit of the monster inside of me, Cassie. The monster was out. You were rescuing him. Um, I didn't hate it as much as Ryan did, um, which is saying a lot because there is it's a rough go, but um, it is still going to be. I'm going to vote for the White Lotus. Thank you very much. Mike, what are you voting for? Uh, Ryan, is it Dum Dum Baby Poop Face? Oh, he's back. Uh, <laughs> who I think erroneously dislikes Under the Banner of Heaven. But there's no fucking chance in hell yeah. ban- Under the Banner of Heaven ever could go toe-to-toe with The White Lotus Season 2. One of the best shows I've watched in the last decade. It was amazing. And uh, keep bringing all these fun character actors and slamming them together. Also, the rich guy who's of the foursome, the, the douchey rich guy, mm-hmm. uh, should replace James Franco in every role James Franco's cast from now on, because he is just a taller, handsomer James Franco. Thank you. With and a I giant agree. wiener. With a giant wiener. All right. Unlike James Franco. Ryan, I don't think anyone's too surprised about which way your voting is, but I do have to still ask you, uh, what show are you going to put forward? Yeah, I mean, I, like, I finished Under the Banner of Heaven because it had that mystery feel. Although uh, my wife, um, while we were watching the first episode, looked up because it's based on a true story, just went online on her phone and was like, oh, here's what happened. Uh, Shouldn't have done that. Uh, uh, But no, White Lotus is amazing. Under the Banner of Heaven uh, makes me think less of Mike. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That that felt like a dig that was not necessary, but was stated. Greg, what are you voting for? I think we were all um, very, very, like, cool uh, and professional, not just go screaming slam dunk as soon as this matchup came <laughs> up. Uh, Under the Banner of Heaven's based on a real story, and yet it does ma- it makes no mention of Lydia Tarr, which I think is kind of weird. Uh, it's totally White Lotus. 
Thank you very much. Um, I am a huge fan of Under the Banner of Heaven. Mike, I do not think you're a big dummy for liking it because it's fantastic. Yeah. However, the rest of us do. White Lotus <laughs> is going to be moving forward. It is the superhero show and does deserve to take on round two. When we come back, we will get into round oh, battle three of round one uh, and see how that pans out. In our third battle of round one, we see our number two seed Andor face off against our number 10 seed interview with the vampire. Andor is a pe- prequel to Star Wars film Rogue One and follows Cassian during his days as a thief as the rebellion starts to form, leading up to his role as a rebel spy. In the newest attempt to bring the novel interview of the vampire back to the screen, vampire Louis tells the story, his story to journalist Mal Oi recounting his romantic and troubling relationships with fellow vampires in the 1910s in New Orleans. Both series attempt to build on stories that have opinionated fan bases. Ryan, which series brings about better justice to fans of the original uh, Uh, series? Fuck both of them. Like, if you're a diehard Star Wars (laughs) fan or an Anne Rice fan, like, seriously, (laughs) run into a wall. But, um... What if you just read some of her books in high school? (laughs) Theoretically, and you were you were young, so you didn't really know much better. Why do you keep rubbing your? You can break Greg's soul right now. (laughs) (laughs) Greg keeps rubbing his rice for life tattoo. Um, (laughs) And you know what? Like, Interview with the Vampire for me has always been a just a shitty fucking movie that I watched as a kid. uh, That was notorious because Kirsten Dunst got to kiss. All of the hot dudes. Like, if you were a hot dude in Hollywood, Kirsten Dunst got to kiss you the in this movie. The luckiest nine-year-old in Hollywood. Wait. <laughs> They're not loud, right? They're not like Rick and Morty people, the Anne Ricers. Um, but that's all I remembered it from. <laughs> Star Wars, as a Star Wars fan, I was sort of done. Like, I I skipped Boba Fett. I skipped. Was there another one? Obi-Wan. Be prepared to just be completely lost season three of Mandalorian, Ryan. You're going to be like, what the hell's going on? Because he didn't watch Boba Fett. Cool. They needed Kevin Feige. Um, (laughs) I love these resets of we do not care for both franchises. Uh, Mm -hmm. We don't care. These are like, we want to make a TV show in 2022, and this is how you do it, which is um, make it good. Uh, If uh, adherence to the franchise, I do not care about. Mac, this is actually one of the harder ones for me that we've done so far. I cannot believe how great these two genre horror sci-fi vampire lightsaber shows are. I don't know what to do here. Ryan, not one fucking lightsaber. (laughs) But there was. (laughs) Caitlin, you sound mad about that instead of being overjoyed that we can fucking see more in the Star Wars universe. There was one episode of Andor where, like, there was one Tie Fighter. That's it. And it was like Jaws. It was like, it made it the <laughs> scariest thing because there was one TIE fighter. Uh, I do think these shows have abandoned their previous, um, I don't want to say fandom so much, but like their basis in the best way possible. Uh, and I do admit, I slept on Interview with the Vampire quite a bit. Uh, all I remember hearing so much about it was just that people were pissed that they recast a diverse group to take over the roles of a supposedly loved series and it pushed me off from wanting to engage with it because I knew I would just hate uh, internet people. Um, but I, I do want to ask, does any uh, does Greg, do you feel that the choice to set 
uh, interview with the vampire and cast um, black leads adds layers to their struggles of identity or does it take away from their struggle with vampirism and that I identity? Mean, black people in New Orleans? It seems like a stretch. I don't know. <laughs> uh, white town. I think that this is one of the ways in which when you're updating something, it's just such an easy, like, I, I don't even have to think twice about this. Like, uh, the world is a pretty diverse place. So it when you're telling stories about places like New Orleans, you're probably going to uh, have a really diverse cast. And it's like, ultimately, I, I look at the results. And we've been talking about, like, how much better uh, diversity has gotten over the last five years that we have charted it. And that has gone hand in hand with better performances, um, funnier comedies and, and, and better, better, better actors in general. And so I, I didn't even notice after the initial, like first two seconds, I think Jacob Anderson, the actor that plays Louie is kind of doing a Brad Pitt impression and he does a really good job, especially in the voiceover stuff. He sounds so much like Brad Pitt. Interesting. Um, and Sam Reed, the guy that, that plays Lestat is better at being Lestat by quite a bit. Um, than Tom Cruise was, and that's saying something because Tom Cruise is a a Lestat in real life. Not not in that uh, movie. Yeah, in real life he's a good Lestat. In that movie he's a pretty dog shit actor. I because I think he's like he's like oh this is supposed to be kind of queer coded, huh? I would have no idea what that's like, so I guess I don't know what I'm doing here. It seems uncomfortable for that particular actor mm. to like be trying to portray such a um well an out and out queer role you know which and is so weird because tom cruise is literally a gay vampire well that's yeah that's the thing it's like you know tom cruise can be anything but tom cruise like the second he has to be tom cruise he's jumping up and down on a couch like he doesn't know how to just be the guy which is why he's always on the outside of a plane like but this sam reed like knows what it's like to slink about and mm-hmm. be a vampire and be like kind of like sex just put on a coat and went out into the world. And that is like the most refreshing part of it. He and Louie, the chemistry is like Pop off the charts. Bubble. Did yeah, it, it did, is like <laughs> rolling it, off the screen in waves. When did anybody first... make it to Claudia? I didn't actually, no. Okay, so Claudia, Kirsten Dunn's character from the movie comes in and then the show changes it and elevates two or three levels. She, The actress, the character, just amazing. Bailey Bass. Bailey Bass uh, is adopted. What song does by she sing when you press the button? <laughs> <laughs> Take me to the river, throw me in the water. Yeah, I mean, there's I only like, one. I feel like Mike, you knew the answer to that question before you asked it. <laughs> I set him up. Greg knocks him down. <laughs> Sorry, this... keep going, Ryan. Oh uh, no, she's uh, she's amazing. And if you were into the first two episodes, I highly recommend watching more. Like this is a shockingly great show. Can I can I pick nits? I loved this show. I loved I love what I've seen. Uh, I've seen Eric Bogosian, and I, he plays the reporter. I've seen him in other stuff. I've seen he crushes in Severance as the Bernie Sanders analog. Yeah, but uh, Jacob Anderson will Succession. Will, Succession. Severance is I a say? different show. Did I say yeah. Severance? Succession. Succession. He's also you, the staring. Guy I was really trying to figure out where he was in Severance. As soon as you said that, I was like, no, Fuck, uh, yeah, what I episode Succession. did I miss? I think uh, uh, Mike, you said Ballisticans. Uh, X Ins versus Severance, and that's yes, not that's, what he that's was not the X title of the Severance. show. Yeah, and uh, so Jacob Anderson, who was Grey Worm in Game of Thrones, will do these like delicious, long, heartfelt, brutal monologues, and then Bogosian's like, "So it was like you're high." 
Like, yeah, I was like, dude. bro, I know you've acted well before. What the fuck is your problem? Are you trying to get fired? You are ruining the show for me, and it is a good show. Uh, Why is he like, phoning it in? He's I trying to be so edgy, and it all his lines are the most liney lines it, in the whole show. It worked for me when we were watching his, like, master class that you see, like, Neil Gaiman yes. and other people do, <laughs> and this is just like, the truth is fake and falseness is truth. I'm going to teach you about journalism because he's supposed to be douchey. But he d- isn't doing that same journalist character when it's just him and uh, Louis. And yeah, he rubbed me the wrong way a lot. When you guys see him, do you think, uh, what if Anthony Bourdain only traveled to fast food restaurants? Yes. <laughs> yes. If, yes. There's a, if there's an Anthony Bourdain biopic, call me. <laughs> Literally, all I could think of was like, that guy looks like Anthony Bourdain. It's a low budget Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> it doesn't help that we just watch him eat like through the first two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it just puts the picture in your head. Meal. Uh, Cassie, I know Caitlin has not been the biggest fan of Andor. She is our Star Wars mega fan, and this was not her favorite show, probably because it lacks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A hard one for me. Lacks the pew pews. Cassie, can you share with us what are your thoughts on Andor? Did you share similar feels to Caitlin? It was like it definitely like I knew I loved Rogue One so much, so I was so excited to get more Cassian and like that backstory. But um, mm-hmm. like just because it was so different from all the others, it had an adjustment period. I'd say like to realize that it is like it, this is going to be a slow one. This is one you're going to munch on. It's not going to be pew pew in your face. And once I accepted that, had a great time. I was like, this is what like this branch always gives me. Like it, it's going to give you this different slower take and get more into story and characters. Oh shit, and I was this like, is like a real show. Here for how, it. <laughs> how many episodes, Cassie? Or how many minutes? Like, how long until you were like, okay, I got this, I'm gonna roll with it. It honestly, it took me longer than it should have. Like, by, like, halfway through the second one, once I realized, like, they're sticking with this tone, like, it wasn't picking up after, like, laying the base, I was like, oh, okay. So I was like, it took me a while, but I was like, I'll, I'll go for it. Honestly, that's less time, or that's, uh, yeah, less time than me. I, I wasn't super down until, um, is it Mon Mothma? Mm-hmm. Is that who it is who gets home? Yeah, back like on Coruscant, the senator who's putting things mm-hmm. together. And her fucking bitch teenage daughter and her bitch husband are all bitching <laughs> at each other. I was yeah. like, fuck all this shit, dude. Isn't that the 2022 of it? Because like that's we now like politics gets into our families and it like it breaks them apart along those lines. And so I thought that was because like if you had asked me before Andor what's Mon Mothma's family like, I'd be like, oh, they're all nice and they support each other all the time. And all they talk about is the rebellion, and how cool it is. And they float and around husband, lights. What'd you say? Nothing. And her husband is basically like, you know, I mean, he is such a fashy <laughs> little piece of crap. Um, and that's, I think what this show Andor does a really good job of is if you have watched Star Wars, then people in the Empire are like a faceless mass. And you like, maybe you think like, who would ever join the Empire? Andor answers that question, who would join the Empire? Who reaches for fascism? And that is like an important question in our time because Star Wars has actually been a very effective way for like dividing people between fascists and anti-fascists like since we've been kids there have been people who like look at the empire and will out loud be like i think that thing is cool look at and so andor is a chance to actually like dramatize that but i'll be like okay that you know let's look at what that's like on the flip side greg people will attack the Capitol on january 6th and be like i'm like luke skywalker like i'm doing (laughs) i'm part of the rebellion i there's something about Andor like that will always get me, whether it's Marvel or Star Wars or whatever, of genre bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. I fucking love it. I need it. 
like inject it into my veins. It, the juice is worth the squeeze. I like. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of getting up and putting on a little cape to go into your office job. <laughs> I'm gonna be very serious right now. Yeah, give me my half cape. Get my gloves. I have to type up some memos. I think we do need to inject capes into our everyday life. That would make everything better. But like, I think we it should inflates have the ones. hall like, monitor. Which cape should I wear? Or sashes? Nah. You're the cool kid walking around with a fucking cape over here running through the halls. <laughs> Definitely. No hall monitor here. I think I'm going to start wearing, uh, when I teach, I think I'm going to start wearing like the full scholar's robe and like yes. the mortarboard. Let's all I, do that. If we I all think do that's it, a good, be good move. Just you to dress. Wizard of English. <laughs> <laughs> you king of New England. I think that I'm gonna just start wearing a muff. You know, where you just jam your hands into a muff and you wear that around. Ryan, this is a family show. We're trying Ryan. to be. <laughs> See, I think you're a real muff man. I think you could do it. I meant to say beaver. <laughs> Caitlin, you uh, have shared some thoughts um, about Andor being just a little dry, a little boring, but we do know you love vampires. How do you feel about Interview with the Vampire? I really haven't shared much about Andor, actually, because I, I, I started watching like Andor and I didn't like it. And like Cassie was saying, it takes a long time to jump into it. I think I watched mm-hmm. like three or four episodes and I was like, fuck this. And I stopped watching it. <gasps> and then I came back three uh... months later and I started watching it again and I finished it. The back half of it is much more interesting, I think. And, I, and once you do like, okay, this is going to be very different. There's no lightsabers. It's not going to be like what every other Star Wars is. I think once you get out of that mindset, which for me took a while, um, <laughs> it, I think it is a really, really good show. Um, it's just not, I like the, the, the lightsaber part of the, the Star Wars. So I just think Star Wars wise, it's like it didn't hit for me. But it, as a TV show in whole, I think it was a, it was a pretty good show. Um, I mean, the show pitches the-, the Star Wars version of the Northern Lights and delivers. Like, what does that mean, Ryan? Like What's all the Northern green? Lights? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> the Eye. Aurora Borealis. <laughs> Located entirely in Greg's kitchen. I have to say, one thing I really, really, really liked about Andor uh, was they built some fucking sets for this show. Mm-hmm. And I'm so, it's so nice to watch people move on a three dimensional set where everybody can see it. Like all the yeah, actors can see, see the other. set and they can move around it and stuff. Uh, they built like a couple blocks of this like Star Wars town. And I thought that made such a huge difference, especially when staging like uh, battles and kind of trying to show us like day to day life in the Empire having real actual places i thought made just such a big difference also when cousin was like my cousin your brother was trying to make star wars italian beef we couldn't get italian (laughs) we couldn't get cousin to move on from the bear corner cousin but we can do star wars cousin yes we should do it let's do it but to answer your question mckenna interview with the vampire (laughs) <laughs> Tasty. I forgot I had asked you that question whatsoever. Uh, I was I I was stuck on the fact that I had taken your opinions based off of yeah. you not having finished the show, and I didn't That's know fine. that. Um, so, but I'm glad you like vampires too. I think. <laughs> It's not surprising. They're tasty to you. I didn't get that vibe. When the stop first came on the screen, I felt a little alarmed that I was not going to get into it because I didn't find him charming until he started talking. And then okay. then just first, first seeing him, I was like, oh, no, I'm supposed to like really, really find this guy charming. And then he spoke up. How about up. when he punched that priest like right through, through the head? head. Yeah. That's the hardest he got me. 
<laughs> that was it for me. Mike, just completely Mike fucking rock solid. <laughs> Same. I didn't even like this guy until he fucking punched the head through. And like, he had <laughs> blood all over his mouth. I'm like, I get it. Respect. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even had a boner before, Mike, until I saw that shit. <laughs> Uh, all right. On that note, I think it's time for us to call it to a vote. Um, and whether you vote on which show uh, gave you a, more of a boner or which show you think <laughs> is a better uh, is entirely up to you. But, Caitlin, which show would you like to move forward? Um, no lightsabers, all boner. Let's go for Andor. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And Greg. Yeah, for me, this is not much of a contest. I liked the interview with a vampire. Maybe I didn't watch enough of it, um, but I didn't hate it. But Andor was like appointment viewing. Like, you know, can't wait until the wife gets home from work so we can start it as soon as she walks through the door style stuff. Yeah. Uh, Cassie. Yeah, following suit. For me, it's it's Andor. That's great. Uh, Mike, what's your vote? Do you know what's cool about interview? I think... I think this is actually House of Dragon is not the Game of Thrones of 2022. Interview oh of the God, Vampire Mike. is you, because you got to be wrong about this on every fucking show we do. <laughs> it's people want genre they can they don't need to feel dorky about liking. There's good actors here. They're killing it. There's still TNA. Uh, it gives you that like up uplifted genre and it's interesting and nuanced and new. Uh, people are sleeping on Interview with the Vampire. All that being said. I've never felt the Empire was actually scary until Andor. They really made it feel like the normal people can't live their fucking life because these fascist pricks keep walking through their town. Andor all the way. And Ryan. Hey, Greg, it's not just every show we do. Like, me and uh, Mike are in a D&D thing, and he will yeah. say, he will stop the D&D game to be like, you know, House of the Dragon isn't really as good as I had hoped. <laughs> the, the TNA, man, the TNA. My character <laughs> says that, Okay. <laughs> Uh, no, like, Andor has one million things for me to list. Like, uh, Mon Mothma, I'll just keep going back to her family, has a fucking clean-ass blue flying limousine that she just yeah. goes from thing to thing to. Um, the uh, we have got to, a Skarsgård in this. Do you guys recognize the, the kid on the team who knows a bunch of stuff? Oh, yeah. He's from um, the Serial Killer show? Yes. Yeah, End of the Fucking World, based on a comic book. That's the that's the main character from End of the Fucking World. Um, his like everything that he's doing, his death. I I yeah, like it's Andor, obviously. Obviously, Uh, I agree. I do think Interview of the Vampire is a great show. I now have no desire to see the movie that I have still never seen because I've got the show and it's clearly going to be the (laughs) superior option. Sucks. But, yeah, I've, I have no desire to watch it. Um, but I will be continuing the show. I do think it's very good. However, Andor will be moving on. And when we get back, we will get into Battle 4 of Round 1, our final battle for Round 1. In our final battle of Round 1, we see our number 6 seed, Pachinko, against Caitlin's pick and number 14 seed, Sadman- Sandman. Apple <laughs> Apple TV's Pachinko follows four generations of a Korean family, beginning with the matriarch Sunja, as they build this build success despite facing racism and poverty. The Sandman, based on the comic of the same name, is about Morpheus, who is dreams personified. After being imprisoned for 106 years, he escapes and tries to restore his own kingdom. With one show firmly grounded in reality and the other firmly in fantasy, Caitlin, which show do you feel is more engaging for drama in 2022? 
Wow, what a great question, McKenna. Thank you so much for coming to me. Um, <laughs> like Sandman, it's like the sands of my time. Like mm. it just really mm. uses my time very well. Pachinko, mm. it uses the ball of my time and it clink clacks um, to a time. And then people like move pins. So it's like harder to win sometimes. And mm. I'm like, I like that. They too. bend them. They do little uh-huh. bends. Yeah, they, they yeah. do some bends. They do some bends. And I'm like, fuck. Wow, that's hard to think about. So that's a hard question, McKenna. I'm not going to answer, actually. (laughs) That's fair. The question could be, which show is about pachinko more between the two? (laughs) (laughs) Brian, you you expressed some booze before I even got into the little uh, descriptions of the shows. Care to expand? (laughs) Yeah, of course I would. But again, we haven't talked about Better Call Saul since the intro of this podcast. Um, going through withdrawal. The Sandman is what you guys, you fucking guys, voted uh, over Better Call Saul. So, like, it was already dust. Dust, like sand. 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 Yeah, it, 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 it was already gone. Uh, Pachinko is an incredible show that uh, we should definitely get into, but Sandman is so average yes. that it's shocking to me that it's not the worst show on this bracket, but Under the Banner of Heaven was spot for a long time. If you, loved the Sand- if you have read all of the Sandman comics, and if you loved them, and if you thought, I would like to see somebody turn this into 10 episodes of television, Sandman but- is the show for you. Like a flip book, where yeah. you just sit down and watch somebody flip through the panels of the comic book. Any- yeah, cool. Any epi- like any uh, story of this in the Sandman that you remember and think that was pretty cool, you're gonna get um, 50 minutes of that. And then like they, it is a cover band. It plays the hits. I think it is competent. It's fun. But I'm gonna ask people who have not read the comic. Did it do? Did the show do anything for you? Like, yeah. I don't feel like it offers no. much outside of people who've read the comic. Greg, I have never read this comic. Okay. This or was all comic or a comic in my entire life. Um, um, but this show, it drew me in and I just wanted to keep watching it. It was one of those where it was darker than something that I normally watch. And it was just fun to keep going to. It did have to explain itself fucking 50 million times. Say the Ruby, (laughs) the helm, the bag of sand. Um, Oh, the three things. Should we have three three MacGuffins tonight? Yeah. (laughs) Every single like portion does. It does very easily like spell it out for you. But I thought it was a a very fun show that I just wanted to keep watching. So I, Plus I felt for like a bird and I hate birds, you know, that's such a weird stance. Birds are the worst. <laughs> of all your <laughs> weird stances, that is terrible. I am so tired, honestly, of seeing a little CGI thing and then it opens up its beak or mouth or butt or whatever. And it's Pat Oswalt. Like, <laughs> I don't think Patton. I can. And, and he's not jobs. doing a voice. Like we used to have like voice actors who would do voices. It used to be a every used single to have, CGI to thing. Here's Greg's. Like we Patton used to have Oswald. corner. Uh, yeah, Greg, you hate hearing Patton Oswalt, and yet you podcast with us every week. We're just le- we're all lesser Patton Oswalt. While while I watched Sandman, I enjoyed it, and then I didn't finish it because it wasn't actually that good. And then when it was amongst these other seven shows, it does not deserve to smell the feet of any other show on this list. And when you think of what makes a good drama, it's compelling characters that go through things that make you feel. So hey, Pachinko gets my vote. Let's move the fuck on. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, honestly. Angry. You well, you know what? We have, we have some, some strong the, feelings about Sandman. And I think that's he, fair. I don't think this is a tough battle. But this is our really up. only chance to talk about Pachinko. 
Cassie, do you have some feelings for Sandman? Caitlin, I will get back to you. <laughs> okay, but he's, he's emo. He's emotional. He should talk to the Sandman who's also dealing with some trauma. Christ. And trying to deal with his feeling like a little boy. So the Sandman, you should talk to him. Go to sleep. Think about him. Okay, good. Hot Topic good. has a conversation to start. Yeah. <laughs> if Funko Pops made a show, it would right. be Sandman. <laughs> they made something just for me, and it was Sandman. I'd say Sandman's the show that's here for everyone. Again, like Greg said, it said it did what it came to do. It followed the textbook. If you want something that didn't try to get crazy outside the box and just give you what you've already proven to be true and is good, Sandman, it's got you. Plus, there's a sad boy. It rips the soul out of it by just recreating it, by not actually truly adapting something. It it rips the heart of the things going through. But if somebody didn't read it, then I I, I don't know what you get out of it, because there's nothing to cling to. Because it's new to you. And they did cast Kirby Baptiste, what's her name, as Death, and that was a pretty good casting. That That was was a good good call. Again, I did not hate watching this show. One thing about (laughs) Pachinko that I really appreciate is uh, if you skip, if you tell Apple TV to skip the opening credits... It won't skip all of them. It just skips to the part where all the cast members dance yes. one at a time and or in <laughs> you want it. And so you can skip the credits every time because it will take you to that part, which you would never in a million years want to skip. It's almost yeah. as yes. good as the rest of the show, which is like the best show on TV from 2022. On so that note, I had to I skip the uh, Andor credits every time, and they would skip the Star Wars like here's all of our metal robot heads, but then it would. <laughs> It would skip right to the whole Andor, the slow-ass Andor thing. Like, no, I'm saying skip that as well. Just, just start the show. No, like, where's the show? Where's the button for Andor and co-dancing? I think our shows have, like, the best opening, like, yes. sequences. Like, these drama shows, like Pachinko, The White Lotus, um, Severance, they all have very good, like, openings where oh. it's like, I want to continue to watch it. And or- White Lotus is unskippable. Yeah, yeah you want to, like, like turn gotta, it up and get rowdy. Like dance dance like, around the room, get wild. Get ready to watch a show, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> you get your little exercise yeah. in. So you don't feel bad for being a couch potato. Right, like you exactly. get up and jam out and then you can absolutely just be a ca- uh, couch potato. All right, Ryan, I have a question for you. I know you're a big fan of Pachinko um, and it's only eight episodes long and it attempts to capture four generations, three cultures. Just a lot is going on in the show. At fa- times, did it ever feel like it was too much to take on? For eight it episodes. honestly did for sure. Like uh, I love Pachinko more now, having watched Under the Banner of Heaven. Like oh, wow. that's, that's how you uh, adapt a show. But no, like Pachinko is rocky. Like it has the same batting average as Severance. Of like, this was a ton of ideas, and not all of them worked. Uh, I was bummed every time we went back to modern day. You know, like that initial storyline, the oldest storyline in the show, is so engaging, and that actress is so amazing. And when we went back to this guy trying to keep his job at a real estate firm, it did not like it, it sort of lost me, you know, like, isn't that one of the points, though, like that, like somehow the struggles of our ancestors feel like a lot bigger and a lot realer than the things we go through every day, even though we represent like a chain that connects like we're a link in a chain that connects back to them. It like, is. We but- see that as genuine and we think we've lost everything that's genuine about our lives. And that's why this guy ultimately loses his job is because he doesn't want to put the pressure on this old lady that he's trying to put the pressure yeah. on. But it, what it feels like is like, hey, I you've been watching Pachinko? So have I. <laughs> and that's why I'm not going to do this thing. Even though isn't his struggle the hardest because he has to deal with Jimmy Simpson? <laughs> <laughs> 
one of the best current character actors working, but also, man, he shows up, you know he's going to be a piece of fucking yeah, shit. Yeah, dude, I thought it was face. odd they went to Westworld after this. <laughs> <laughs> I love well, that you, guy. Get a, let's get in this flying monorail, and let's go to Westworld, man. And wear only robes and drink only warm milk. But they, I, I really thought the the collision of cultures was so interesting in Pachinko because this is not this is something I knew about obliquely Japan's um like you know conquering and colonization right. of Korea, mm-hmm. but I guess I had not really thought very deeply about it. Just there's a lot of stuff to know about and a lot of stuff to think about, and seeing it in action, um like the being denied rice, like you can't eat yeah. rice anymore. And then the other grains they eat, oh, man. If you think you are, like, indifferent towards rice, imagine instead of, like, having rice on your plate, you have millet. No way. Barley, get out of here. (laughs) I can't believe... In their own country, they're not allowed to eat their own rice. And you, like, you feel that in the show. When they finally do get rice, like, it it feels like... like It's like ice cream. And, like, great, can you do your whole uh, subtitle diatribe? Because I I really feel like that's, like what the show is yeah in uh the the way the show handles the fact that it's this collision of three different languages english to a certain degree but mostly korean and japanese korean and japanese and english all are subtitled in different colors and so that helps a listener who might not be able to be very good at differentiating the languages helps them hear when the languages are employed Mm -hmm. and certain like moments where you begin a conversation in english or japanese and then switch over to korean or the types of things you talk about in one language or the other is like as classic as as antiquity in terms of cultures coming together you know what what words you use from what language and what words you use from another one and watching them switch between these languages and getting to feel as the listener that significance uh, is really cool and it was like a, a simple thing that they did in the show but i felt a lot more drawn into the proceedings because of it i mean it's stuff that like nobody would care about before like oh is that foreign put it put it in subtitles nobody cares and like also showing how like code switching isn't just like I'm at home, I'm at work, but yeah. like, I'm literally like sometimes trying to save my life or like mm. trying to protect my, you know, my life I or whatever. It. Like, and I have to talk like this now. You and know? the main character from all the way back in the past uh, doesn't speak Japanese. She only speaks Korean. And so there are times where people speak Japanese to her and then you don't get the subtitles mm-hmm. and you feel so lost. You feel right. like love that you're trick the, the open air. And it's like, you get that feeling of being scared because a cop is yelling at you in a language you don't understand. And then he's like yelling to other people and it's like, what's going on? You don't know. And yeah, you're just drawn in in that way. I think it also, it did a great job of setting up kind of the emotional identities that the people had to develop when they were engaging with cultures other than their own or kind of transitioning into different cultures. And that just subtle color difference helped me associate which um, kind of, identity of the person version of the individual i was yeah. going to be seeing um and i think you brought up when the when we're really getting to the past the emotional weight that happens does make the future moments l- so much less engaging the, the 1980s yeah. scenes um i and we've seen I just the future to, stuff like, I, uh, so often it doesn't feel as like fresh as watching the past yes yeah the, but, like, the, it was almost a different show in that, like, here's the points of the future. Make sure you understand the points. Whereas when we were in the past, it was like, let's let these scenes sing. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to bring up the music. We're not going to do big camera movements. We're just going to have these actors act. And, like, you're going to know how important it is. 
I can't believe the the past moments of this show. Like, all right, I think we've shared some thoughts on Sandman and Pachinko. I think it's pretty clear which one will be moving forward. However, we do have to come to a vote. Mike, which one are you voting for? I think I said it about ten minutes ago. Uh, it's Pachinko. <laughs> I feel like I get I get yelled at if I don't come to you for a vote or <laughs> if I no, do. No, yeah, yeah, like there sure. would be some anger uh, and frustration. What if I fuck with all of you? I was like, it's Sam. Come man. on, no, <laughs> it's a comic. All right, and Greg, what are you voting for? Yeah, definitely Pachinko. This is the show I'm most excited about and the show that I'm least excited about uh, facing off against each other. And I think we were very restrained in actually giving both shows a, a little a little time to star. All right. And Caitlin, uh, Sandman was your pick, um, but I do still want to know what you think is the better show. What show are you putting to move forward? Oh, my little baby dream um, did so well and gave me such a good show, and I did enjoy it a lot. Pachinko, I came in thinking this is going to be a drama-y drama, and I'm not going to like it. I was really surprised by it and how much I did want to continue to like learn the story and learn what was going on within like uh, something that I just didn't know about it. It was it was really great. So I'm um, I'm gonna go with the sand. No, just kidding. Pachinko. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought you were gonna go with the sandman. I was totally totally small on board for that. <laughs> my small baby dream. I love him so much. Uh, <laughs> he can come over any time in my dreams. <laughs> Cassie, what are you voting for? I mean, when you think it's just such a hard call to make, they're so close together. Um, Dream. <laughs> this one's fine being asleep. It is Pachinko. Great. And Ryan is voting by proxy, but he uh, did make a compelling argument that Sandman was going to get his vote, but he went with Pachinko ultimately. <laughs> uh, decided to put that one forward. So Pachinko will be moving forward. And when we return, we will begin round two of TV dramas. And we are back, ready to dive deep into our round two of TV dramas. In round two, we have our number one seed, Severance, facing off against our number four seed, The White Lotus. I think this is going to be one of the tougher brackets we've had so far. So far, we've had several clean sweeps back to back, but Severance and White Lotus going up against each other might finally give us some division. And I think we just go right to a vote. Uh, Cassie. What are you going with? This is hard. Uh, I feel now now is when we're in the real stuff. Um, one has Jennifer Coolidge, which automatically mm-hmm. so great. I think I do. There's something about Severance that I just kept drawing me in. And I guess it's just the weirdness. But I'm going to go with Severance. Thank you. All right, Mike, what are you going for? Weird or Jennifer Coolidge? Who's very normal, and everybody has always said she is. Doesn't this feel like this should be the last fight we ever fucking do tonight? This is crazy. My two weird Uh, babies against each other. They're they're two (laughs) weird babies. uh, A great theme song versus Severance's theme song. Uh, It's White Lotus. I love Severance, but White Lotus by a mile. All right. We are 1-1. Greg, which are you voting for? This, I would not have known this before when we started the show, but... um, I, th- I feel like the objectively right answer is Severance, but I feel like the Greg answer is the White Lotus. All right. That's what I'm going with. Greg has spoken, and it is two for White Lotus, one for Severance. Caitlin, please let us know which way you're going. God, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but because they're my two weird babies. Um, mm. they're just it's so weird how it sneaks you have up to, on you. You have to pick a baby now. 
and let the other one just <laughs> stay behind. The other one, flush it down the toilet. <laughs> Who's like gonna be my dumpster salad. baby today? Um, um, goddamn, I'm going with uh, White Lotus. All right, Woo! that is three for White Lotus, one for Severance, which is still hanging on. Ryan, what are you voting for? Well, before I vote, I would like to say that uh, Cassie. <laughs> If you're into, like, sort of weird, sort of dark, Better Call Saul is an amazing <laughs> show. That think about I, giving it a watch. I do it doesn't have Adam Scott, though. Sorry, dude. Yeah, uh, that, that is a requirement. True. Did you guys hear that the Party Down reboot is actually great? And yes. that stars Adam Scott. Yes. Are we going to be sitting here one year from now saying Party Down is the drama of the <laughs> <Yep>. year? <laughs> there you go. Um, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, Severance did so much. That was cool. Did so much that, like, felt old but felt new. You know, I really liked how, like, it was sort of our lost but also our office space. Yeah. Loftus space at the same time. But White Lotus, <laughs> I think, is just – I don't know, man. I feel like this is the pop filter show. You know, like, it's just sort of created for us to just be dick bags and talk about. So White Lotus <laughs> is my vote. Isn't it nice that Mike White is finally getting some fucking play in the world? It used to be us being like, guys, watch Enlightened. And we're yeah. going, no! <laughs> I would uh, rather watch a Mike White show than a White Mike rap album. Which, Mike, I can't hear those. White Mike's the guy who sold heroin in season two of The Wire? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. With Ryan's final vote, the White Lotus will be moving forward. Severance, this is where we bid you adieu. But it is a great show. I do think it's got a lot of weird. That's a lot of fun. And I'm excited for season two. In our next battle of round two, we have Andor, which is our number two seed, going up against our number eight, our number six seed, Pachinko. Um, Greg, why don't you start us off? What are you feeling? I really loved Andor so much, but I was the the show that blew me blew me away <laughs> more than any other it show. It blowed. I, it blows. Uh, is Pachinko. I was really... Uh, maybe it's because I didn't see it coming. Um, maybe it's because it was so beautifully shot. Maybe because it has the best acting that is just does not belong on television, quite frankly, even if it's Apple television. Uh, so as surprising as it is for me to say goodbye to a show as good as Andor, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Pachinko. Thank you for that vote. Ryan, where are you headed? Do you agree with Jake? Uh, Greg? Jake? Do you agree I, I, with I, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> Jig. <laughs> Jig. Um, I will have to actually disagree. I think that Pacheco had uh, a ton of the best scenes of the year, but a ton of the whatever scenes of the year. This is a uh, stinko scenes of the year. Yeah, there was a lot of pastinkos. Um, and I think that it, I cannot believe how good Andor was. I cannot believe it. Um, and it's not just it, like it's not just above the Star Wars bar. Therefore, it moves on. It was clearly above that, and then also better than Pachinko at the same time. I'm going Andor, Mac. All right. Caitlin, what are you voting for? Um, Hard again. Mm-hmm. Um, Another two of your babies. Are you just mm-hmm. on a, a little bit of abandonment spree over here? Um, yeah. <laughs> I have six beautiful dumpster, children. Dumpster, dumpster, dumpster. <laughs> I'm running out of dumpsters to throw babies in. <laughs> Um, Again, if you have multiple kids, they don't have to compete. You can raise all of them. It doesn't have to be like a bracket. There can only be one, Greg. There can only be one. I only know how to work in brackets. So um, dumpster baby today will be. um, I think I'm going to throw away 
pachinko and <laughs> savage way to phrase it and, yeah, and, <laughs> andor is staying another round all right that is two for andor one for pachinko mike what are you voting for yeah i, I think don't we should all stop sleeping on apple tv they have surprisingly good shows i know they have very few shows but when they have shows they're they're excellent and to watch they're not like uh l- let's get 100 shows i don't care what the quality is like no it's all good watch whatever yeah, on no. apple, T- uh, apple tv it's good uh and pachinko is it's it's lush it's gorgeous to look i think it's the most well sh- the, it's the best shot show of all the ones visually just about. stunning yes. and andor is better shot for sure you think so yeah uh, I just when when the sun looks bright, I go well. That's good cinematography. <laughs> but thanks for poking your whole, my, hole through my argument, Ryan. Ooh, I see a lot of parallel lines here. I like that cinematography. <laughs> I think Andor is it picks up speed. It picks up speed, and for existing within this pretty strict dogma of uh, canon and baby fucking fans, and still <laughs> soaring through and coming out with like one of the more complex and nuanced character arcs. Uh, yeah, it's got to be Andor for me. All right, and Cassie, what are you voting for? Cassie in. Yes, Cassie in. I'm so glad I don't have to feel like a piece of shit. Um, when I also vote for Andor, thank you, <laughs> thank you, my friends. Bye, Pachinko dumpster baby. <laughs> well, that's what hard. a disappointing way for Pachinko to go out. Pachinko, we are saying goodbye, but only one of us is throwing you in the dumpster. Andor will move on. And that will complete our round two. And I think we're ready to just dive right into round three. We have round three, uh, seed four, the White Lotus, going up against our number two seed, Andor. Mike. Are we ready? Like, are are we? Do we we need to talk to her? Do we need to take some deep breaths? Like, let's breathe like season one of White Lotus's theme song. (laughs) 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 That gave me more anxiety, but fortunately, <laughs> I get to vote last. Mike, I'm calling you to vote first. What will it be? White Lotus hey, Andor? or Andor? Shocking that you made it this far. All the nice things I said about you, fucking forget them. Get out of here, bitch. <laughs> it's the White Lotus. Dumpster. <laughs> right to the dumpster? I'm grabbing Caitlin's dumpster and dunking you in. <laughs> you got to find your own Andor dumpster, in. Mike. This oh. thing's chock full of babies. They're pretty expensive, Caitlin. I love how Caitlin has spent decades on a podcast decades listening to podcasts and like you know what my thing is gonna be dumpster (laughs) (laughs) it works it's i'm glad you're finally embracing this ryan what are you voting for the white lotus or andor i oh man i love andor i i like i was out on star wars i was out and it's so good and i love Everything about it, but the White Lotus is, um, I think, asking more questions and answering them sometimes in an interesting way, but also not answering them in an interesting way. Fuck, I have to like, like I'm not as quick as Mike is to throw Andor like. To be clear, hit the glass. You don't have to actually throw it into the the, like the the dumpster dumpster lid. Just leave it on the bracket (laughs) in round two and just let it live. I I made sure the dumpster was stinky. There's cockroaches in there, and I bought the DVDs of Andor. So much rotten cabbage and like uh, ET on Atari. Like the dumpster was filled with that. But I'm gonna go with the White Lotus. All right, thank you. And um, Cassie, what are you voting for? Um, 
I think just because I didn't know what to feel at the end of it, I'm gonna and I did with one of them. I'm gonna go Andor because I'm a big dummy. It's Andor for me. I, I don't think like liking Andor makes you a dummy. And this this is one of the few drama brackets where like your choice is not yeah. stupid. This is the finals, dude. No, yeah, you're not saying you liked the book of Boba Fett over here. Yeah, it's it's not like under the banner of heaven made it. Like you're fine, Kathy. <laughs> Uh, all right, Caitlin, we have two votes for the White Lotus, one vote for Andor. What are you voting for? I have two beautiful babies standing before me, but only one <laughs> will move on. Where will the to- other one go, Caitlin? <laughs> <laughs> Great question, Ryan. Um, I'm going to get my baby Andor, and I'm going to drop him off at a fire station because he's a great little boy. Um, and I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to move on and keep baby White Lotus with me forever. So nobody's and in like a dumpster. The child abandonment part of the fire station. <laughs> oh my the god! Baby's yes. worse than the dumpster. Why is it worse? The baby it's lives so on and has a great life. I because think because it's so real. <laughs> People and are dumpsters not. Okay. I believe Caitlin said she will drop it off at a dumpster and or a fire station. <laughs> You'll have to find out. <laughs> the right. hot firefighter picking up the abandoned child is always the saddest part of uh, the calendar they put out <laughs> <laughs> but then like uh, literally on fire <laughs> but then pony by genuine starts playing and yeah that firefighter's dancing and it's not wow. sad anymore <laughs> wow <laughs> they can't help it greg are you also uh dropping off andor at a fire station or will white lotus be abandoned <laughs> i feel like this is where the we realize that we're talking about Andor as being a very good show. I think this is the only part for me where as a star Wars show finally clicks into place because I feel like up against the white Lotus, it's just so much more complicated, layered, nuanced. And I think interesting because it is related to the, the real world. Uh, Andor was fun and cool and compelling, but nothing on the bracket quite like had me as interested to see the next episode as the white lotus did every single week so but that's my pick i still think that like Hindor is the white lotus of star wars like there yeah, were so many yeah there were so many conversations of like well shit dude you are this is just two people talking but like you're hitting three or four layers right now and i'm like if mike white had a star wars show and or is it and i felt like it showed that you could like do almost like literature in the star wars universe and that it would still work on that level and be interesting i just do think that ultimately when held up against you know one of the best shows of all time which i think season 2 of white lotus probably is it's just where the the differences define themselves a little bit for me hey matt can i ask you one question yes when uh james franco's better his <laughs> wife the took Took Theo James took uh, Theo James's wife took uh, Aubrey Plaza's husband to that island in the last episode. Did they? Uh... Yes. Yeah, they did the nasty. They they yes. did the dirty. That's okay. That's yeah. It. Okay. That's it. Um, thank you for ending on that question. Uh, with that, Andor, we are very sad to see you go, but it is clear it's. I'm getting angry winner. looks. Yeah, we have a winner. No, I'm uh, excited. Yeah. Oh, she paused because like, everyone was just like, oh. everyone, let's dance to the music. Yes, <laughs> we have a clear winner, and I feel like we are all satisfied with this 2022 top drama of the year. 
as the white lotus i think this is Ooh. we're in agreement right this is a great show sense. this we makes sense it. we have done it nothing else matters the votes have been cast the white lotus is it the i feel accomplished have been dumped. <laughs> so aubrey plaza if you want to come pick up the award mm-hmm. you are welcome we and are here, ready, ready to hand it off. When Greg says that, he means Jenna Ortega, just so everybody's clear. <laughs> <laughs> he wants Jenna Ortega to come and pick it up. If any celebrity wants to come, we will just completely <laughs> change who won. We'll just scrub up the name. Sandman. We'll just, the yeah. cast of Sandman. We were very excited to see you. Man, we were raving about your <laughs> so show. So good. So good. <laughs> oh, just don't shit. listen. Greg, I have the uh, the stars of Better Call Saul on the line, and they're going to come and pick it up. So, oh. slipping Jimmy? Yeah. Oh, so sorry no. you guys didn't make it. Caitlin yeah. did Sandman. hire Bouncer to shoot them on sight if they come in. <laughs> of all the weirdest flexes in the history of yes. weird flex, is this the weirdest flex? It is the weirdest. That Better Call Saul can't move on because they, they figured hate out us? what you loved the most. <laughs> Just broke his kneecaps. They Don't found the perfect so way open. for us to talk about Better Call Saul. Every single show with them. Uh, and <laughs> isn't that the greatest gift a friend could give? They figured out a way You're to like uh, dump Cheez-Its into the toilet in front of me. And yes, I love Cheez-Its. But guys, in the toilet? <laughs> Not Slops proper. That right up. Ryan, you said what if Mike White directed a Star Wars show. And now all I'm thinking of is at the end, very end of his show, Jennifer Coolidge has two lightsabers. Yeah. And is yes. just <laughs> hauling her way through a Star Destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> stabbing people while freaking With out. With one of my flowy floral outfits just like billowing yes. behind her as she takes off. Uh, demanding people n- tell her what the gays are up to. <laughs> <laughs> He's gays. I think we found it actually. I think the top 2022 drama should be Jennifer Coolidge in a Star what Wars What Mike universe. just said is, yeah. yeah, our 2022 <laughs> drama of the year. And our 2022 comedy of the year definitely has to be that uh, five-year-old clip of Jennifer Coolidge, which just, like, scans up her entire body, and then when it gets to her face, she just goes, hi. hi. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining me on this wonderful wonderful journey to determine which show was the top drama of 2022 i am i'm absolutely so proud of us and i cannot wait um to do this again next year if it goes as well as this year i hope there's less dumpster babies in future uh iterations but that's the only thing i'd change babies if you like this show (laughs) uh be sure to check out our top comedy uh, top albums um Oscar draft mixtapes. We've got a lot going on, and still ahead is the top movies. Yeah, Mac, does this uh, White Lotus show have a chance against um, Reservation Dogs or that album that we picked? <laughs> the Cheat Codes album. Cheat Black Codes. There you go. I think. I, I think this does have have a shot. I think White Lotus to me. I, I would vote it against Reservation Dogs. Up. Uh, like choose that over reservation dogs yeah yeah all right we're gonna have a fight we're gonna we're gonna have a fight that's we're gonna have a fight now that's we're gonna have future dumpster babies we're beefing. future dumpster babies i am not giving up white lotus apparently um but other people are thank you so much for listening that is all for 2022 dramas but be sure to check out all of the other best ofs on your pop filter
So, while Americans overwhelmingly support the right of an individual to make their own decisions about abortion, unfortunately, that right is no longer protected anywhere in the U.S. The Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade on June 24th. Abortion is a basic health care need for millions of people who can become pregnant. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Even if you live in a state where abortion rights are upheld, access to safe medical procedures shouldn't be determined by location, and it shouldn't be the privilege of a small few. And we're already seeing certain medical practices be restricted even in those states. You can help by donating to local abortion funds. To find out where to donate for each state, visit donationsforabortion.com. That's the number four, donationsforabortion.com. If you or someone you know needs help or if you want to get more involved, here are five resources. One, Shout Your Abortion is a campaign to normalize abortion. Two, Don't Ban Equality is a campaign for companies to take a stand against abortion restrictions. Three, abortion.cafe has information about where to find clinics. Four, plancpills.org provides early at-home abortion pills that you can keep in your medicine cabinet. And five, choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co has a collection of these resources and more. You can also find all the links to these resources at podvoices.help and in the show notes. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word.